1: The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com.
3: Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is the author of Triangle of Treason, a top World War II-era spy thriller set in one of the most unexpected places, Bermuda. And uh, he joins me by phone from Bermuda, Bob Richards. Hi, Bob. Welcome to the show.
4: Yeah. good morning. Thank you for having me.
1: Um, you know, I have to. I have to ask because it's uh, the spy action novel is based on Bermuda's true role in World War II. Would you consider it a historic novel? How much is history, and how much is spy thriller?
4: Yeah, it, it is definitely a historical novel. I think uh, the characters are fictional. The actual uh, storyline is fictional, but it's based on historic uh, circumstances. Um, Bermuda was a a key place uh, during World War II for anti-submarine warfare uh, during the war, anti-U-boat, basically. Um, And so the the American bases that we talk about in the book, um, the 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 censorship of mail, uh, Bermuda was a a, a center for uh, censorship of mail, all mail traveling from the United States to Britain and back uh, were flown to Bermuda and every package, every envelope was opened and read for um, seditious uh, spy uh, information, uh, messages to Nazis, uh, uh, illegal transfer of of money and jewels all kinds of things um, were found in mail going over to Europe from the US There were a lot of uh, uh, Nazi sympathizers in the States uh, particularly in the early parts of the war um, so all that was uh, attempted to be intercepted in Bermuda um, so uh, we, we played a, a pretty key role in, uh, in in the war and so all of that is true um, all of the descriptions of uh, places. Uh, I've got some, I think, pretty vivid descriptions of of places in Bermuda. Um, That's all accurate as well. So, yeah, it is historical. Um, and The circumstances are real. Uh, I'm old, but I'm not old enough to... I wasn't around during World War II. (laughs) (laughs) I got a lot of stories from Uh, My my parents uh, and other people, plus research I've done on my own, um, which will place the reader in as close to real life as you can get if you were alive in Bermuda during World War II.
1: And I didn't mention when I was introducing you, Bob, but I did want to bring it up. Um, You spent... 24 plus years uh, in public service and policy in Bermuda you were born and raised there but you were part of its yeah. senate for 4 years a member of its parliament for a decade you served as deputy yeah. premier and minister of finance and i i just can't help asking and i've done this to other writers as well bob which do you like better <laughs> working for the government or writing novels oh <laughs> uh, well uh, this is this is it. this is
4: my third career uh, uh, my, my first career was in finance uh, and investments uh that was most of my career um, then uh, I got the call uh, I thought it was from on high but it was from somewhere else actually <laughs> to be a public servant um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I got involved in politics here that was my second career this is my third career um uh, writing is, uh, is uh, I didn't realize I wanted to be a writer, quite frankly, it's almost a surprise to me um, because uh, when I finished with politics, I wrote a book um, about some of my time in politics and about uh, Bermuda economics, basically. Um, and I felt compelled to write that uh, because I thought that if I didn't write it, somebody else might write it and get it wrong. Um, uh, you know how politics is. So, uh, so well, I wrote that it's book. it's certainly
1: the a book. way of fine-tuning history.
4: That's right, that's right. So I wrote that book, and uh, I surprised myself that I enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> so um, I was casting around for something else to do, and, and, and I had this interest in history, always have an interest in history and things nautical you can't it's, it's almost impossible to to grow up and live in Bermuda and not have a very very intimate relationship with the sea and um so as a kid I grew up you know loving boats and planes um and um it just occurred to me that you know there might be room for a story here uh, And, um, so my interest in boats, particularly, uh, I I grew up taking the ferry to school. I had to take a ferry to school every day. So, um, all that was around me, um, just sort of sunk in permanently. And, um, so let me write a story that involves some of the things that I, I saw as a youth, because uh, I am old enough to have been around in the 1950s, and a lot of what I saw in the 1950s um, applied to the 1940s. Um, so we had uh, a lot of sort of ancient, uh, ancient boats around, and the 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 uh, the, the crew of these. Ferries in particular, pilots uh, and the uh, the deckhands were, were just incredible characters. Just incredible characters. Um, and um, I thought I'd you know, to try to bring some of this to light. Uh, and also, we had a great sort of military presence in Bermuda in the 50s, because what happened was that the, the Cold War, the World War II morphed into the Cold War. Sure. And so I grew up I grew up during the Cold War and Bermuda played an even more pivotal role in the Cold War. Um, so my second book is, uh, a Cold War book. All right. Uh, so, um, so when I grew up, we had all of these naval people around all the time. Uh, Bermuda was full of, um, uh, U S and British and Canadian, uh, naval uh, and air force people um so uh you know if you're a kid you like boats and planes bermuda was another kind of paradise so is there has there a been a lot of that went into writing this book mm-hmm. has
1: there been much written about bermuda's significance in world war ii and in the cold war
4: no not much and um so that was another motivation uh for me um be, uh, the history in Bermuda tends to uh, be either some uh, uh, almost make-believe uh, history about uh, the original settlers, I and mean, it's not make-believe, it's true, but it it uh, it ignores a lot of the facts. So Bermudian history tends to be about the early settlers in Bermuda. Um, and in recent decades, about slavery in Bermuda. Um, And there's virtually nothing written about um, uh, Bermuda's position in the geopolitical world. And and quite frankly, the biggest uh, asset that Bermuda has always had is its strategic geopolitical location. You know, we're out here in the middle of the Atlantic and not halfway, but uh, sort of one third, two thirds, uh, one third of the distance from the states, two thirds of the distance from uh, Europe, and it has been a key crossroads in transatlantic uh, intrigue, warfare, trade, etc. Um, and it has always been our biggest asset, and it is what has made Bermuda what it is today. Um, so um, uh, there's been very little written about that, and this book captures some of that as well. But you know, we have been involved in geopolitics between, particularly, the states and 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 Britain since uh, the days of George Washington. Um, I mean, you may not know that. Uh, in the beginning of the American Revolutionary War, um, and it's amazing what words are words are very interesting things, aren't they? So, um, you all Americans call it the Re- Revolutionary War. Uh, in the British textbooks that I grew up on, it was known as the Revolt of the Colonists.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Great Insurgency. <laughs> <laughs>
4: exactly.
2: Well, anyway.
1: Y- You know, Bob, I have to ask you, because the title of the book is Triangle of Treason. How much... uh, Did you have your tongue in your cheek when you coined that title because of the the shadow of the Bermuda Triangle?
4: Yeah, well, you know, I I have had the good fortune of traveling a lot of places on planet Earth. And, uh, you know, as far as China... and and other places in the Far East. And many people have not heard of Bermuda, but they've all heard of the Bermuda Triangle, right? Oh, right. It's amazing. So Bermuda Triangle has has an amazing appeal. Um, What this book is about is, yeah, you're right, it's a tongue-in-cheek, but it really is about that other Bermuda Triangle, right? The triangle between U.S., U.K., and Bermuda. It's about that triangle, Right. Right. Um, and that triangle is, is the, the geopolitical one that I was telling you about. You know, we provided George Washington with gunpowder stolen from a British magazine here in Bermuda, you know, stolen in barrels, rolled down the hill, put in the dinghies, rode out to the, to the sailing vessel and transported to George Washington when he ran out of gunpowder. We did that, even though we were British. Um and in the Bermuda Archives there is a letter of thanks from General Washington to the people of Bermuda. Um so this is like the first chapter in this other Bermuda triangle that I'm talking about. That's um,
1: that's um I wanna talk some more about that. Um that's that's a fascinating bit of history I didn't know and it makes me wonder if there were other countries that were part of the British empire that were maybe sympathetic to the cause of the uh, insurgents during the American Revolution. Um, I, I want to talk about that and some more about, uh, about your book and uh, okay. other, other things that you have planned, Bob, but I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around All for right. a few minutes? Sure. sure. Good. Yeah. My, my guest is Bob Richards. He is the uh, former Minister of Finance From Bermuda, but enjoying a new career as a novelist with a spy action novel based on Bermuda's true role in World War II called Triangle of Treason. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well.
3: Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show.
1: And welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with the author of a spy action novel based on Bermuda's true role in World War II. Um, Bob Richards joins me by phone. Bob, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. No, thank you. Thank you. Um, Bob, just before the break, you were teaching me, um, a little something I didn't know about American history, and you're a history buff, and, um, I like to think I am, but, um, you got me thinking about something in terms of during the American Revolution, and and just for people who are just tuning in, um, Bob had mentioned that, um, people from Bermuda had, uh, raided the, uh, uh, gunpowder stores of, uh, Great Britain and loaded up barrels and took them to General Washington, um, to help supply him during the American Revolution. And I had not, I had not heard that, Bob. And, and it made me wonder, as I, as I said to you just before the break, if there were countries under British rule during, you know, the, the Great Britain, um, during its its empire, that were maybe sympathetic yeah. to the American uh, revolutionists.
4: Well, I don't I don't know of any other incidents like
1: that. Um,
4: I mean, I think from the media perspective, our assistance of of our American friends was just pragmatism. You know, uh, the, the the colonies on the east coast of the states were our major trading partners, and I think the the sages in Bermuda reckoned that uh, you know if they were gonna if they happened to be successful, we didn't want to have an enemy you know seven hundred miles to our west <laughs> so it would be a good idea to be friendly with them <laughs> and if they're gonna if they're gonna fight the British you know maybe it'd be a good idea to give them a hand so i I think it was more of a pragmatic thing um than anything but you know we were involved on the other side of the coin, should I say, about 100 years later, uh, there's another um, part of that other Bermuda triangle I'm telling you about, um, because uh, during the War of 1812, uh, you know, the war where the British uh, burned down the White House in the Capitol, um, and they seized to Baltimore. Um, I think all Americans know about that. Sure. I think what many Americans all I would say most Americans don't know is the task force that carried that out it didn't sail from Liverpool or Southampton it sailed from Bermuda that whole raid was conceived planned and executed by the British Navy in Bermuda so they sailed from Bermuda to Washington D.C. and did what they did, uh, and when it was over, they sailed back to Bermuda. Um, so Bermuda was a launching pad for that all that activity in, in the War of 1812. And um, one of the things that we do have, when i with Washington, we have the uh, the Letter of Thanks from General Washington. But what we have from the War of 1812 is that. When the British were in Washington, they raided a number of warehouses in Washington and they found two very large paintings of the infamous uh, George III and his wife, Charlotte. You know, the the mad king, George III. Um, Mm. So um, the one who was reigning when Americans went independent in the first place. They had, I guess they had pictures of him that he was king, but they got buried in warehouses once independence took place. But the British forces sort of liberated these two paintings uh, from the warehouse in, in, in D.C. and brought them back to Bermuda. And these two paintings now hang in our parliament chamber uh, on either side of the speaker's chair. So um, <laughs> that's where they came from, these, these large paintings of the Mad King George III and his wife Charlotte. Uh, they were-,
1: so, they were you know, yeah. Tilford from uh, America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great.
4: Yeah, um, it's all about sort of, uh, spoils of war. Yeah.
1: Of course, the um, you know we've talked about the Bermuda Triangle in a couple different ways. There's the the magical foil hat one where you know if uh, sailors and pilots beware because of the planes. yeah and And ships that have been lost in that area, and we have a similar uh in the in the great Lakes um here surrounding Michigan, where I'm based okay. and uh and we have something similar and a lot of uh, a lot of shipwrecks and there's a lot of people that go hunting for ships and and, uh, and in some cases, they like to think that maybe there's some buried treasure there too. But you're talking in in Triangle of Treason. You're talking about a different Bermuda Triangle that involves the uh, UK, the US, and Bermuda, and um, and and I want to talk a little bit more about that that book and and the role of Bermuda in World War II, because I think for a lot of people, Bob, it, it would seem that that Bermuda would have been off the beaten path and and not accessible uh, by germans or at least overlooked by them
4: well um not really because i think that uh for instance we just do a what if sort of situation and the american uh, military people in the 1930s uh, before World War II started. Um, they, they saw the rise of Hitler in uh, Germany, and they viewed that with concern. And um, the you know the thought was, you know, what if uh, the Nazis you know roll through Europe and uh, defeat the British, you know, what what happened to British possessions? And they said to themselves, "Well, if 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 the Nazis you know defeat the British, then they'll want to have claim to the British possessions, and can we tolerate a Nazi uh, uh, occupation of Bermuda, which is right on our doorstep?" And the answer was unanimous. We know that's not something that we could tolerate. So. Even before 1939, um, the U.S. military were interested in uh, setting up a maritime base in Bermuda. And they actually started negotiating. They came to Bermuda, they surveyed the island, <clears throat> and uh, found a, an ideal spot uh, for uh, a U.S. Uh, seaplane base. And they, the, the place that they wanted to occupy was not inhabited. There were a few islands that were not inhabited, and um, they were privately owned. And they were owned by a wealthy from Union family. Uh, and the, the the owner actually lived in New York. She was from Union. Uh, so they negotiated to have a lease on this island so they could put the base. And then, all of this happened before war broke out in Europe and um, so they negotiated with the lady for the lease. She signed the lease, um, but the lease could not be legally enforceable until the lease was returned to Bermuda and the proper stamp duty tax be paid, right? Stamp duty had to be paid on, on leases. And once the stamp duty was paid, it would be legally enforceable the lawyer for this lady flew back um, to Bermuda on the flying boat, got the lease stamped, and it became legally enforceable. Three days later, three days later, um, the United Kingdom declared war on Germany. Now, this is important because part of the U.S. Neutrality Act forbade the uh, setting up of, of bases in any country that was at war. Right, so it was important to get this lease signed before war broke out, uh, and so um, this lease was signed, and uh, so the Americans had a base in uh, Bermuda. At least they didn't have the base, but they had the 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 uh, access to having a base in Bermuda before 1939, uh, September 1939, when, uh, when uh, Britain declared war against Germany. And so, Triangle of Treason um, is about the first squadron of, of, of uh, maritime uh, patrol planes that were sent to Bermuda in 1939, even before the base was built. So the one of the main characters in the the book is a character called uh, Harley Harvey, who's called sign of Swordfish, and he and his squadron VS thirty two uh, were assigned to Bermuda before there was an actual base in Bermuda. They were operating out of an old destroyer that they uh, that was a, a seaplane tender. Um, all the stuff about VS thirty two is factual. The story I just told you about. Uh, setting up the base before war was declared is factual. Uh, so yeah, you, some people may think that Bermuda was a backwater, but but the generals and the admirals in Washington did not think it was a backwater. Because if you look at the map, you know, if the Nazis had a had a had a foothold in Bermuda, they could have launched all kinds of all kinds of attacks on the eastern seaboard in the same way that the British did in the war of eighteen twelve right yeah. so um, <laughs> that, that was a concern um, and in fact even after that base was uh, established um, before December what is it December 6th 1941 Pearl Harbor 7th or December 7th I'm not sure which one is it is. Anyway, anyway um, before Pearl Harbor and before America was officially at war the uh, seaplanes out of Bermuda, were on a shoot to kill order, shoot to kill orders for German U boats. So the um, the patrols out of Bermuda were in a state of war with Germany before Pearl Harbor. So it's, it's not a backwater, my friend.
1: You're on the front lines. Indeed, and that came a little bit as a little bit of a surprise, I think, to your. Uh your character Rodney Grant the retired British yeah. naval captain who thought he was basically retiring to That's Bermuda right. he,
4: he was retired yes indeed
1: and he was expecting he it them. to you know just be kind of you know this this laid back island life and finds himself embroiled in uh, espionage because of a chance meeting with uh, Adolf Hitler and, yeah, and another yeah. another thing that you introduce in your book is um, a uh, interracial relationship. Yeah, there's an interracial couple in the book. Was that something that was maybe more likely to happen in Bermuda than in other places in the world? No, it
4: was. Um it was not likely. I mean, Bermuda was uh, totally segregated uh, racially back in those days. Um, and um, one of my first ideas for this book was this couple, incidentally. Um, so, uh, and because, as I say, growing up in Bermuda with U.S. servicemen all around us, um, you know, the potential for that was pretty big, right? Yeah. Um, but in spite of that, it was still not accepted. But well, you know how we human beings are. We do things that, you know, we do things on the cover, right? Uh, and so um, the relationship, I mean, there were a few relationships. I think I try to explore this in the book. Um, uh, many of us in Bermuda um, have a sort of family background <clears throat> that is you know, multiracial and multiethnic, uh, myself included. Um, and um, but the relationships with uh, you know for, for 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 black people, you know the, the sort of white branch of your of your forebears generally wasn't one that was a sort of um, uh, what i would call in the book a sort of honorable outward outward connection uh, it was more something that was done uh, you know uh, undercover or under threat so the threat was you know if you want to have one you know the, the man or the boy at the house want to have a relationship with the maid right it, you know if the maid didn't cooperate then she would get fired um so you had that kind of relationship and then you had the place in the book that i've described as the grenadian hotel right which is uh, a brothel but you had uh interracial relationships like that as well now the one in the book is a you know is is a love affair um so um but such a relationship between A GI and a local black girl uh, would not have been something that you would do openly in in 1941. That's for sure. And so, yeah. So it it would have been a relationship fraught with difficulties, which it was, as you can see in the book. And this
1: this relationship um, between harley and becky is it
4: yeah
1: um they met at a movie theater how was it was that something that would have been possible in, in a segregated uh community
4: yes very much so um, um again just is uh um, art imitates reality my mother was a was a uh a cashier in a movie theater. <laughs> she was a uh-huh. young woman, uh, so um, yeah. So that was always something that was possible. Um, but there,
1: but there weren't, um, there weren't maybe blacks-only theaters. You, you know, the kind of segregation we saw in the American Deep South. Well, we had
4: we had, six, we had some theaters that were segregated, right? But you still had um, uh, black cashiers, or you know the old days used to have ushers in the movies, you know, something to show you where to to sit down. A lot of those folks would be black too. Yeah, sure. And they had black people working in in the theaters. Even in theaters that were segregated, you had black people working in theaters, right? Um, The theater in question in this book was not segregated, um, but um, it was one of the small theaters out in the countryside. Um, But um, yeah, it it was, it was something that was um, that was done because I said, my my mother was a cashier at the theater.
1: It was possible, but not common.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think to have a black cashier was not common, but it was certainly something that happened because as I said, my when my mother was 19; she was a cashier at the theater. So, um, <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, this this is uh, this book has so many great elements to it Bob and and um uh, you know I I apologize I have not had a chance to read it yet but I'm looking forward to it um mm-hmm. especially now that I know there are bits of American history in it <laughs> Oh yeah <laughs> um but <laughs> but all uh, but all kidding aside have you got the bug now for writing I, 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 is there uh, is there going to be yeah. um an octagon of treason uh, coming?
4: <laughs> um, well, there is a sequel to this book that is already written. Um, oh, wonderful. I'm not sure what the official title will be, but I when I did this, I sort of committed to writing three um, uh, novels. Um, the first one, uh, where, uh, we're talking about, The Triangle of Treason, which is... Uh, a spy story in World War II. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Bermuda played a very pivotal role in the Cold War. Uh, Again, anti-submarine warfare, except in the Cold War, it was the Russians, not the the Nazis. Um, And there were thousands and thousands of uh, NATO troops in Bermuda during the Cold War. Um, So... um, uh, the second book is uh, a spy story set during the Cold War. That's the second one, and uh, the third book is going to be a story uh, involving NASA. Uh, the, the first, oh, yeah, yeah, the first ground station after the rocket that launched from Cape Canaveral. Uh, the first ground station is Bermuda. Um, it uh, Bermuda takes over tracking rockets in T plus three minutes. Right. Yeah. So, um, the, the decision, the sort of go no go decision after the rocket is the the boost is launched. The go no go decision basically got made in Bermuda in the old days in in the Mercury and the Gemini um, days of NASA. So the third book will be based around the NASA station here in Bermuda. So
1: yeah. Well, these are these are going to be fun books. And so you knew you were going to write a, at least a trilogy when you started writing Triangle of Treason, or did you get to the end and think, "But wait, there's more."
4: Well, <laughs> I, 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 in the middle of Triangle of Treason, I realized that you know I could do two more books.
6: Uh, I
4: had a friend of mine in London say, "You know, these things sell the best when they're in." You know, two or three books. It's as, as a series. So he said, "Well, can you write another one?" So I got to thinking. Say, so "Yeah, you know, we can do a Cold War book, and then we can do a um, a, a,
1: a space book, right?" So yeah. <laughs> well, this is so we were involved in all of this. Well, this is great. You've got World War Two. You've got the Cold War, and then the Space Race. Yeah, that's right. That's that's wonderful, that's right. Bob. It's. It's a real pleasure talking with you, and I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Bob, do you have a website? Yes, there's a Triangle of Treason, www.triangleoftreason.com. Uh,
4: you can find out about the book, which is on Amazon, um, and you can find out about uh, the background for the book and myself, the author, it's all on the uh www.triangleoftreason.com website.
1: Well, Bob, thank you so much for spending this time with me uh, this morning, and, and keep up the good work. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Really right. appreciate it. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That was uh, Bob Richards. He is the author of Triangle of Treason a taught world war ii era spy thriller set in of all places bermuda and uh there there's going to be more uh fun stories ahead in this uh series by bob bob is uh well he spent four years in the the senate and was a member of uh, bermuda's parliament he um served from 2012 to 2017 as deputy premier and minister of finance and uh, he had also served uh, well he spent nearly 24 years in uh, in public service Um, but with that we're going to take a uh, short break the um if you're listening to us at uh, WFOV 92.1 LP FM, Flint, our voices radio. They are a service of uh, the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. And... Um, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And
2: every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay
1: dangerous.
2: Darkwing Duck out.
4: This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
0: Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
5: In these days of the Cold War, the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency, has become one of our most valuable tools. However, many Americans have complained that too much of the CIA's activities have been kept secret. Tonight, as a public service, we are happy to be able to present the secret head of the CIA who will answer all (laughs) of your questions. To maintain the secrecy of his identity, he will be wearing a mask. How do you, how do you do, sir?
0: My name, is Jose (laughs) Imana!
5: Sir, you, you just told your name. What are you oh, going to boy. do now? <laughs> what are you going to do now?
0: Well, I guess I'll just take off the mask. But first, I'd like to say something. What? Trick or treat. <laughs> sir, as a... <clears throat> oh, boy, sir... they're going to really kid me about that back at the office, I do Sir... First time I had this mask off. Do I need yes. to shave up here?
5: No, <laughs> no. It has been said that spies work for the highest bidder. Would you tell me if that's true? What's it worth to you? <laughs> I uh, I understand that uh, when you're a spy, you use very tricky devices. Is that true? You
0: understand that when you're a spy, you use tricky devices. Well. You see this cigarette that I'm smoking? Huh? You see that? Yes
5: That's really a gun (laughs) Come on now, you can't tell me that cigarette is a gun Oh yeah? How would you like a shot in the mouth? Mm
0: -hmm. We also, among other things, use very cleverly concealed cameras Oh really? Sure, see this front tooth here? (laughs) See that? Yes, I That's, That's not really a tooth That's a miniature camera How does it work? Just press my nose. And, and that'll take a picture? No, I just like people to press my nose. Actually, uh, my nose is a, a shortwave radio. And you work the camera by pulling in my left ear.
5: What happens when you pull on your right ear? That turns on my nose. <laughs> well, that's... That's... It's absolutely I think it's running now. (laughs) That's amazing, a camera in your tooth. Uh I can't even see the little hole. Well, that's because I was in the right half of the class. (laughs) How did you get an idea like that, having a camera in your tooth?
0: Well, I had this film on my teeth. I thought, why let it go to waste? Uh
5: Sir, I've heard that they do terrible things to gain information from captured spies. Uh
0: You heard about that, huh? Yes. I tell you, they do. Oh, You know, one time, they captured me, and they took these bamboo things, they put them underneath my fingernails, and they lit fire to them. They were burning things under my
5: fingernails.
0: And then they came and they hit me on the shoulders very hard right there with the bony part where it really could hurt. And then they punched me in the nose, and they punched me in the stomach, and then they took these pair of pliers, and they... Squeezed me all over the place <laughs> And then they started to torture me
5: Did you talk? No, I was too busy screaming <laughs> You must have had some uh, thrilling experiences
0: Oh, I can think of one now You know, one time I was on a plane, you know And I had these foreign documents And I saw on the same plane. Right down just a couple of seats for me, still in first class. Yes. Oh. Or a couple of foreign power people, you see. They were there. So I took these foreign documents and I went into the laboratory. But when I came out, they caught me with the documents.
5: Well, why didn't you get rid of them?
0: Well, there was a sign
5: that says don't throw any foreign
0: articles into the laboratory.
5: Sir, who would you say was the greatest spy in history?
0: The greatest spy in history was Ludwig van Beethoven.
5: I didn't know Beethoven was a spy. You see how great he was? Yeah. As long as we have you here in front of these microphones... Uh, would uh, be all right with you if some of the people here in the audience ask <coughs> you some questions uh, pertaining to the CIA. Yeah. Would you answer all of their questions?
0: Yes, I would answer all of them.
5: Oh, that's I'd very good. i am very happy. Would We'd you delight. please uh, feel free to ask any questions you have? How can we get
0: a job at the CIA? You have any experience as a spy? <laughs> Not yet. Are you married? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You've
5: had experience. <laughs> What should a spy do if it's
0: caught behind the enemy line? If you are caught behind enemy lines, all you have to do is give the name, rank, and serial number of every soldier in the United States Army, um, where they are billeted, and, and how many bullets they have. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll give you such a
2: clock you won't even know. <laughs> yes. sure kept the
0: secret of World War II. That it's still going on. <laughs> I mean, if you hear anything whistling, duck.
5: <laughs> the CIA have a theme song. Excuse me? The CIA have a theme song.
0: Yes. It's over where? Yes, here you go. How many copies would you like? Know?
5: Well, sir, in conclusion, uh, as a spy, uh, do you have a code?
0: No, it just sounds like that because i got this radio in my nose. Yeah. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
2: And go back to school I'm washing my hands Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix PBS and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors And I'm sick of what I see Of quarantine will be The death of me The death of me I risk a trip To the grocery store To buy a TV And a few things more But when I get there All I can find Sixteen honey buns And some mad dog wine I'm washing my hands Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix PBS and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors Cause I'm sick of what i see. Weeks so of this quarantine's gonna be the death of me. The death of me. You know they say this is war, but we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Pork Chop Hill. We just lay here on the couch and watch TV. Whew, I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid to parachute into Wuhan and find that little fella that ordered that bad I know I'm talking out of my head. Saying crazy stuff over and over like, Yes, dear. Yes, dear. At breakfast I meant to say, Honey, please pass me the pepper. What slipped out was, You crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized. <laughs> Soon as I regained consciousness. Fashion Radio for a new generation. The Timesummerprogram.com. Summer Program. The Timesummerprogram.com. Summer Program. The Timesummerprogram.com. Summer Program.
1: Hi, I'm Alexander Zonjik. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.